The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Tua T Fitness and the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. Because we learned it from you, Dad. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Bad News Bears edition. Today we're talking the Bad News Bears in breaking training. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man ready to bean me for crowding the plate, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit him, Tom. Who sent this guy? Hitler? <laughs> You know, sometimes as a sometimes as a writer, you try to find a funny way to say someone is a Nazi, but it just ends up confusing, right? Because I'm thinking, Hitler sent him like as an agent, like a spy, right? I don't think that's what they were going for, right? <laughs> I think it was just it was just a you know your common or garden Nazi joke in Let's... a kids film. <laughs> Let's oh, we got it, guys. We're all in agreement. We're all in agreement. In any kids film, in any in any kids film, three minutes in, yeah, you've got a Hitler joke, right? You got, I you mean... got a hit with a Hitler joke. Am I right, guys? <laughs> that's why they call it hit. That's why it's called Hitler. Let's go. You've got to hit them. I mean, I want this fucking writers' room hitting on all cylinders. We're starting with Hitler, and that's pretty much as tame as they get. Yeah, that's the best they can do. <laughs> that's a good old-fashioned joke. Yeah, right. <laughs> in this film, right? In this film. Like something something that your parents can enjoy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking The Bad News Bears in Breaking Training, a 1977 film directed by one Michael Pressman. Tom, he's made some movies I know. Oh, great. I don't know I, I don't know this movie, but I love the title. The Great Texas Dynamite Chase. I'm gonna have to make a note to watch oh, that movie. Sign me up for that. <laughs> Although, you know, I don't wanna be I f I don't wanna be the bearer of bad news, but that can't possibly be as good as it sounds. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we would have we would have heard if it was as good as it sounds, we would have heard. We would have known about it. You know, I, I think I said on the other podcast, on the How Dare You podcast, that Matt Aldrich, friend of the show, and I, we always wanted mm -hmm. to make a movie called Super Big, a movie, Super Big American Movie Cowboy Go. Yeah. And The Great Texas Dynamite Chase reminds me. <laughs> it's an in-kind <laughs> title. <laughs> the same the same basic titular, titular elements. Yes, there, absolutely. Here are some movies I have heard of. Some Kind of Hero, mm -hmm. a 1982 movie, I might add. Yeah. Dr. Detroit, and The oh, Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of Ooze. So there you and have he it. Yeah, and he, he produced Lake Placid. Yeah, and he produced Lake Placid. Oh, I love that movie. Which is a movie I know you love. Yeah. Great so... movie. All right, Tom. And we, he acts. We just... He acts as well. Oh, does he? Oh. What has he been in? Anything we know? Frankie and Johnny got married. No. Oh. All right. I have no more information. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm like the Johnny Cash, the, the memory of the Johnny Cash jackal in that episode <laughs> of the season. I'm just your memory. I'm I can't give out memory. new information. New information. <laughs> Greatest cameo of all. So time. good. I am a coyote. Sorry. <laughs> I am a coyote. So we're talking about a movie with 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Don't disagree. I do not have information about budget or opening weekend. I couldn't find it anywhere. But in the USA and the world, this movie made $19.1 million. Okay. For whatever that's worth. Now. Both these movies, this movie and the next movie we're going to talk about. Which well, takes place in Tokyo. The, the next the next movie that's, has that's some problematic credits. But they're both fairly simplified credits, right? We're going to in this one we're going to see credits over the kids coming to the baseball field. Well, when the movie started, I saw the 1970s Paramount logo. Yeah, me too. Solemn, Made me very happy. Solemn, solemn silence and I thought, you know, Maybe this won't be so bad. <laughs> and it was immediately replaced by a school band style version of the 1812 Overture. Yeah. But that is and, the uh, signature music for the Bad News Bears. Okay. Music I um, might also add, everyone's just heard. <laughs> yeah. And... um. Well, in the next movie, it's the music from Kobe Your Enthusiasm, which is a whole nother That's weird. debate yeah. we need to have. Um, and then we're straight into a plus-sized kid, heavy breathing on a bike, eating Hershey bars. Yeah. It's like, a, a good indication of where we are historically. In it's terms where of we are historically, but I have some sadder news in regards to that. Because that kid... <laughs> sadder? Yeah. That kid playing Engelbert is uh -huh. not the original Engelbert from the first oh, movie. For fuck's sake! You mean sad for me? So you know what? I'm happy because I I was certain you were gonna say that kid like dropped dead, dead. the day after they <laughs> the wrapped day. goes to Japan. <laughs> no, it's not that sad. But he was the he was the Chris Farley of his time. But what but... I do find. <laughs> What so I, I in in some ways I'm happy, but I I understand why you um, label well, that I, as sad because I feel shitty that, because it's so disappointing. Yeah, the, I feel shitty because the kid who originally played Engelbert in between the first movie and the second movie, and by the way, this movie oh, he died. No, this movie this movie came out in 1977. The previous movie was 76. Oh, yeah. So The next movie comes out 78. 78. I mean, they're right in succession, right? They are putting these movies on the fast track. But Striking kid, while the iron is hot. Right. That kid managed to grow a few feet and lose uh -huh. a bunch of weight. And so the producer <laughs> oh. said, we can't have you in this movie. Oh, we got to no. have the fat jokes. <laughs> so you they booted him from the oh. fucking movie. And part that's me fucking terrible. Part of me wonders why I'm so surprised that the behind the scenes is as depressing as the movie itself. Because <laughs> of course it's going to be. I but know. still, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. All right, pop quiz for you, But though. this movie... So, so this movie introduces him like yeah. we're going to recognize him. Like immediately. <laughs> and so in their mind, they're like, one fat kid is the same as another. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that is... That's 
terrible. <laughs> I knew that would get you. It's like those those stories of the uh, you know like the French showgirls who put in you know in Vegas who put on weight and then they had to take them out of the review. This uh-huh. is the opposite of that. Well, and did you notice he lost too much weight, so they couldn't have <laughs> yeah, him as the yeah. fat kid. Couldn't have him as the fat kid. Did you notice, oh, by the way? I'm sure you did. You're a savvy sequel watcher. That <laughs> the, the the kid, the fat kid, Engelbert comes in. He's sitting in the dugout or on the steps outside the dugout, and he's mm-hmm. munching away on something. And one of the Hershey other bars. kids, what was it? Hershey bars. Hershey bars. One of the other kids manages to get a version of the title in. I mean, in under two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, and even before that, so when the titles come up, mm-hmm. they're really selling the Bad News Bears as the marquee name under which we can put literally anything. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that the previous movie came out in the past year, so it must have been either a phenomenon or the the studio is kind of pushing their luck a little bit about how much. No, it's a big hit. But they're, they're basically look saying up how that, much of a hit. Okay, but also they reverse themselves in the next movie and have a completely different way of doing the title. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it feels like that the introduction to these guys is going to be bigger based on the titles, don't you think? Like we just find them in the dugout reading, mag like reading magazines. <laughs> don't you think that's the seventies of it all, though? Yeah, no, I agree. But, you know, when, when I see those titles, The Bad News Bears in, I'm expecting a musical number to, right. to <laughs> start. Um, You've got the music. You want cartwheels and fireworks and flips. But I guess it's... It, it's Ozzie give, Smith you know, style. It, He's a baseball player, Tom. Okay. <laughs> Jose Conseco. There you go. Is also a baseball player. <laughs> I can name any of those baseball players who are in that episode of The Simpsons with the baseball players. <laughs> Daryl Strawberry and others. <laughs> Again, no, inform- no information on how much it costs to make, but the gross for the original Bad News Bears is $32.2 million. Okay. So, Did they just report the same number? Because as we know, in the seventies, it was studios were just embezzling the shit out. That's of true. <laughs> um, it's a mannequin situation. Tom's looking to get um, a suit again. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's like you know, it it sort of falls short of the way that they're built, but it sets the agenda for the film because these kids are just hanging out. There's going to be a lot of that. Behave, right? behaving, behaving badly, badly. Yeah, cursing. And you, you know, you know, you, I noticed coming to this cold, it's a pretty diverse cast that we're getting yeah. up front. Like I was not expecting. And then, of course, you know, the 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 Latino kids arrive, and I'm like, oh, okay, wow, this is. Oh man, I got something to say about when the coach arrives. I know once. Well, this is it. Once they do or don't open their mouths, <laughs> that my feelings change, obviously. But what I'm saying is, at a superficial level, I'm going. Well, this makeup of the cast, yeah, is no, uh, yeah, you're right. Progressive for the time, absolutely. Until something happens, and then <laughs> <laughs> if the film had ended there, no, it notes. would have been, fi- it would have been fine. Actually, but... one note: don't put the fat kid on the bike. Every breathing. 
Apart from that. I do have a first minute, a first 60 seconds note, but just the yeah. one. And then you could have yeah. ended the movie it's just, 10 seconds later. It's just everything, you it's just everything that happens up until now, if you could cut that out. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. And then we have a sort of <laughs> sequel surrogate fake out. Is that a good way of describing it? Where the film leads you to believe that the replacement coach. Right. Is the dad is from Give Me a Break. Okay. With starring Nell Carter, if people remember. <laughs> Mike has been possessed by the soul of a of a network TV announcer. Love that show. Nell Carter. <laughs> um, but he, in this, he's called Mr. Manning. Mr. Manning. And this seems to be the, the film's way of easing us into the... The actor is Dolph Sweet. <laughs> Isn't that a great he name? He sure is. Isn't that a great name? Dolph Sweet. So, here's the I, thing. I, I, ha- I have an equally good name in the next film. Okay. Remind me. Remind me. Um, uh, can we talk about, as Coach Manning starts talking mm-hmm. to the kids and finding out their names and doing this and that, because I had yeah. this moment. I think we've already heard Tanner. Tanner had a, a, a berserk out with, with the racial epithets. Like Oof. he went. He, he, he went it fucking nuts. It knocked me off my couch. Yes. <laughs> he went nuts. And I thought, oh, for fuck's sake, this it movie. Was like that scene in, it was like that scene in Ghostbusters where the, you know, the couch, like, you know, the, the you're sitting in a lazy boy and it kind of like grabs you and then yeah, takes you into another takes room. Yeah, it takes you into That's, another room. That's how I felt when yeah. when he opened his mouth and certain <laughs> words came out that are hard to hear from anybody, let alone a child. Let alone a child. Also, all being played for comedy. A blonde child. Yeah, specifically. A blonde Caucasian child. Right. Uh, Aryan almost. I mean, like, yeah, yeah I, 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 I sort of like, it, he can't help that he's blonde, but right, still. Right, right. They're obviously playing to that idea. But it's all hard to hear, but that is immediately followed by Coach Manning talking to the kids. I thought you meant that the, the audio was hard to hear. And I was no, like, no. maybe I had a different copy, but the racism no. was was like... No, it was not hard to hear. It was loud and clear. Thank you. I was just like, I wish I wish HBO hadn't done such a go- good job remastering this movie. You're right, right. <laughs> I want to see whatever that copy is from the original trailer. That's what I want to yeah. see, so I don't have to hear it quite so clearly. But there's one thing that happened that I found interesting in which he, Coach Manning is talking to the two Mexican baseball players. Yes. So these Latino boys come up, and he's, despite the fact that they don't seem to speak a lot of English, he seems patient with them, he's... He's, you know, there's something within it where I thought, oh, okay, so this movie's had its Tourette's moment, and then it's going to go on to something else, and we're going to be okay. And then the very next thing Coach Manning does is he tells Ahmad that he's going to change his name to Andy because it's just easier to say. And I thought, ah, for fuck's sake, we're fucked. We're completely fucked. But this movie is going to upset me a lot. But what's the storytelling purpose of of having Mr. Manning in this scene? Is it just to remind? Is it just to to, to let you know? You know, Walter Matto ain't coming back. 
I think that might be part of it. I also think it's this movie. Admittedly, that's what I was thinking, but <laughs> I haven't seen the original, so I really did, really did need to know that. I think it's doing one other thing, although it doesn't have to because it's going to do it again five minutes from now. But mm-hmm. this movie is setting up that these kids are who are in California have a plan to travel to Houston, Texas on their own. They don't need an oh. adult. I, I tell you what, I like the idea. I actually think it's good writing as a way to reintroduce the kids. Mm-hmm. Because he Mr. Manny comes up, he does the he does the um the roll call. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, who's here, who's not? So we know that we know who's gonna made it into the, right. into the we sequel know, and who, we know who's made it into the sequel. So I think it's good sequel writing. Yeah. Except for the racism. It is, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I, I can't call that out every time. Right. You know, we got it. We got this, this. We can't. We'd never get out of here. We do have to. We, we have a finite amount of time. But it's it's sort of said it. But it's also it's a it's a fake out. It's a. You know, he's not going to be the coach. Right. In fact, we're not going to have a coach until literally halfway through the movie. Well, and I also and even think then, it's... he needs to be coached into becoming a coach. Right. Well, so... I think Kelly... So Kelly Leak fires the coach through mm-hmm. motorcycle tricks. And... Also... I think part of we... that is is building on kid fantasy. Let the kids come to the movie theater yeah. and see a yeah. kid tell a, an old person to go fuck themselves. They're fired. Get out. Right. So... I think that's another reason it's in there. Yeah. So now, also, I have a pop question I, for I, you. No, I, I, have, I, I have a question before you move on. All right. I know you try. I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> but you have the answer. You've seen Bad News Bears. Uh huh. Is this what Kelly looked like in the original film? Yeah. Okay. So, why? Does he look like he's from Easy Rider when it's 1977? That was his whole thing. He was a motorcycle guy. Okay. He smoked so, a lot of cigarettes. They never thought he could get. They could get him on the team. Okay. Because he was like the best baseball player in town. That was too cool and doing stunts and tricks to be on the team. And then they they got him on the team. That answers my question because I, my question was did did the late 60s counterculture look hang around a decade? Mm-hmm. Or is Hollywood just behind the times? Hollywood's Maybe. behind the times. Yeah. They just but don't my know question, don't look like this anymore. My pop question for you is, do you know that actor? Yes, I absolutely do. And where did we recently from, see him? Uh, from the from the 2014 Robocop. That, uh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I recognized him instantly. Okay, good. Well, when uh, we were talking about that movie, I mentioned the name Jackie Earl Haley, and you seem to have no idea who he was. But I recognize faces. Now knowing that you never saw Bad News Bears, it makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know who Joel Kinnaman is, or even if that's the right name. <laughs> you know, that's right. Okay. There you go. All right. The more you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, we've seen some... We've seen some imbasses 
involving photographs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had an example where a photograph is handed to a character in the film of themselves in the previous movie <laughs> that is also a character who will not be in the movie. Right. I mean, this is like Imbass Pinball. <laughs> Ticking too many boxes at once. And this, I mean, this scene... Is so th- it was this kid? Oh God! I really didn't think I'd have to do it with this series. I thought it. I thought it was clear. So is this the actor who played Timmy Looper? Is that his I name? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and what? And is he not allowed to speak, or did they not pay him to speak? No, I think he was always just the shy kid, if memory okay. serves. So he was the kid who. But definitely... they probably saved some money by not having him. Maybe as a I don't know. Part. Yeah. But that's the other thing. Like, I mean, you read IMDb notes. Like, did this kid really have a broken bone? Is that why he couldn't be in the movie? Not before he came to set. Yeah, right. Or, or did this happen on set? Did they decide before filming started? I'm very curious about all these things. I am too. And it was a weird sort of... Because clearly it's not the issue that he's either changed body type or gone through puberty because he's no yeah he seems the same um so it's just an odd because when when because he even this in the roll call he says oh yeah he broke his leg mm-hmm. i'm like okay so he's not going to be in the movie right and the next scene but then he's in the movie is, right but then he's in the movie but then he's not in the movie for physically for the rest of the film yet but we have little tanner won't stop talking Tan- about tanner it. won't start stop sending postcards he's fixated on a character who's not in the movie so i don't think the movie's got over him not being in the movie (laughs) no absolutely but they seem to have actively chosen (laughs) for him not to to eliminate him yeah i don't know i guess they they would i don't know i mean they 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 want him to i don't know if they wanted to replace him or Mm -hmm. they couldn't get him and so they were like, well, let's, you know, let's put all our eggs in the common basket. Yeah, I mean, the thing like... is, is there's just, there's no information to explain any of this. You know, it's not in IMDb <laughs> notes. We are never going to know why. I'm just your memory. I yeah, just, yeah. I can't give out new oh, information. I can't. I can't. <laughs> this is fantastic. So this, this episode will be endless wild speculation <laughs> with no ramifications yep <laughs> and no amount of research will tell us if we're right or wrong this nope. is the perfect scenario it's great for our for discussions <laughs> oh Here, man and this is the point where i've got the note that that you already made uh um there when they talk about japan they're setting up the next sequel yeah but i was like Hey, why don't you get a lead actor for your movie before you start setting up your sequel? <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, this hey, it, film. <laughs> these these two movies have some compulsions, and yeah. one of this movie's compulsions is to put adults to the side until they're absolutely mm. necessary. <laughs> Ring a ding ding. One William Devane, please. We need him in the story. This movie's half over. Crazy. Yeah. 
And what, I mean, we we mentioned this in the ranking episode, what's with these slow reaction shots? I know, yeah. And I think it is a combination of holding for laughter and the kids need a few seconds to, to spring to life. Um, Maybe, but... I mean, I also... Uh, where so you know are we because right after that we have this part where the kids are all at dinner and they're explaining to their parents the dinner montage yeah yeah, the dinner montage about how the kids are going to get to houston and it's we're down two coaches at this point right so we're down two fake coaches including the groundskeeper well no the groundskeeper is coming into it now so that's part of the plan, which, well, by the way, ringer. the next movie completely ignores. But mm-hmm. so in this movie, we're going to get what looks like thoughtful parenting. Who is this man? <laughs> you know, when are you guys going? How much money do you need? Yeah. One of my questions was, how funny is this? These dinner scenes supposed to supposed to be because you have hmm. parents saying things like. Who is this man? And then the response is, oh, he's been at the fields a long time. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think... So I think, well, there's, there's a lot going on. Because they start... <laughs> to say the least. Seeming as though they want montage. it to be a comedy, and then they devolve into... Well, it's got a lot of different projects. One, I think, is, is, a, is a good impulse that it wants to show all these families cut between them. Yeah. To kind of normalize the ethnic differences to make it seem like they're all, you know... Through the food the they're eating, of everywhere. course. Well, but that's <laughs> it. That's the problem. Like, if, if, if the food... If there wasn't, like... If the food wasn't so ethnically slanted... Yeah. ...that they're eating, you would come away from that sequence like oh you know if you were if you were ignorant or you know just didn't have experience of different kinds of people mm-hmm. you'd be like oh i guess we're all the same families yeah. are all the same but what well, the food that they're eating undermines that point this movie seems to say families are all different but it's also making that point in a in a interesting way which is to say like you know Childhood is different depending on yeah no that's true on how much money you know on uh, on you know what ethnicity you're from what how much money you had growing up and you get that in <laughs> in the kids' responses to how yeah. much money they need right and that was and that, I, and that, I, I, that I found kind of interesting yeah it was acknowledging there are class and economic differences yeah. from this t- this team is a literal melting pot um. And you know, I think the button quite works quite well. If you know, I did $4, too with Engelbert, four dollars for the both of us. Oh, I thought Engelbert um, was the button when, when he oh, says, "Oh yeah, that's true." Sixty to Sub eighty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> right after the four dollars for both of us. Four dollars. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. That is that is the button, and so, but that's a lot to pack into that one sequence. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're trying to you're trying to say, look at them. They're all the same. Actually, they're all different. And you know what? Let's make a point about how they're all different. Mm-hmm. Because that's America. See now. Melting I'm like, pot. Jesus yes. Christ. Yes. That's a lot. <laughs> for so much. <laughs> Star wipe and we're out. I know. It's, uh, you know, I, I, this is a scene where I actually admired the aspirations, you know, more than the execution. But yeah. But then it makes an entirely different point than the one it starts to make, and you're like, guys, pick a lane. Right, right. 
pick a representational lane. Did you think that the old man, the groundskeeper, was going to go with them? Um, I guess so, because he's a... I, I thought, he's they, the, he's the I thought it made their job easier to just bring him along. And then, yeah. you know, if because it seems the kid's goal, they think that they're good enough... That they can handle practice and handle driving and handle getting halfway across the country all on their own. They want the big adventure. I think the movie's a little unclear about what's going on in Houston. You know, is it just California versus Texas? Is it the best versus the best? Because they also, I mean, if I was to ask you... What do you think happened at the end? I don't like end? where you're going with this. If I was to ask you what happened at the end of the first movie, what would you say? They won their chicken shit competition, and then uh, the prize was they went to the Houston Aerodome to play. Yeah, they lose that game. A good team. <laughs> okay, okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so why are they going to Houston? I don't know. The movie famously ends with Tanner Boyle saying, yeah, we'll wait so till they- next year. They really are rocky. Yeah. And then the funny yeah. part is, is that this movie is constantly calling them the California thanks champs. For the sp- thanks for the spoilers. <laughs> hey, it's not my fault. 1976. And there's, no, and, and there's no excuse for this misremembering. It's not like the movie yeah. was five years ago. No, right. I mean, it's pre-VHS, but it happened. I mean, you probably... You probably wrapped and then pay- and then took a weekend and went back to making this. Mm-hmm. So there's no way anyone forgot that's how it ended. They spend this whole movie calling them the California champs. And then I don't know if you noticed in the next movie, there's like a news report on in the background. And, mm-hmm. and it's like they want to retcon their retcon because there's a, a newscaster saying... The Bears famously lost their big game and took second place in the Van Nuys Little League Championship, but now well, they're going to Japan or something like that. Maybe that maybe this is where our pitch a sequel comes in. Yeah, right. The interquel between the, the two interquel. movies that, yeah. that that shows why they think they're the California champions. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. What a what a weird inconsistency. Very strange. Um, is it just like, well, it kind of felt like they won. So let's say they won. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, all right. Why don't we take a break? Yeah. We're, uh, we're on the road. We're on the road or almost on the road. We got to fake out the cops. (laughs) Fake out the cop. Oh yeah. Well, that's on the road. Yeah. All right. uh, Oh God. Oh God. (laughs) We'll take a break. Oh, no. I don't even like looking at my notes. We'll see what's wrong with Tom when we get back. Oh, God. (laughs) I forgot about this. (laughs) Look forward to that. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. 
She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are finally on the road with the Bad News Bears in Breaking Training, directed by Michael Pressman. All right. We spend a lot of time on the road, Tom. A lot. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of, you think it's just going to be that one montage, Mm -hmm. and then it just keeps going and going and going. You realize it's not actually a montage, it's it's the title sequence mm-hmm. for the half hour of the film that is <laughs> just on the road. Yeah. And that I mean this is this is where I get the sense of like this is like real time capsule stuff for the you know, like a seventies road movie. The music. Yeah. The, the way that the, the even the way the driving is filled and you know this is one of my five easy pieces moments right yeah I was like are, they, are they, is that something they're consciously trying to capture a five easy I think it pieces, might just be or... as like I mean they're a little well it's like I think it's just because they're in 77 they have the and Rocky's a little bit like this as well they they've got the benefit of being able to look back over a decade of cinema and kind of cherry pick whatever they want mmm and that's what I think is going on here. Okay. And, you know, and the music is typical of what you'd imagine. Life is looking good. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked before. I don't know what we were talking. Oh, with the Omen series, I think we were talking about, you know, disaster pictures being popular at the time. But so yeah. were road movies, right? So we're cherry right, picking right, from yeah. that, right? I mean, let's let's borrow. Yeah, that that. That goes a long way to explain why so much of this movie is in on the, the road. formula for for what they yeah. they think is going to work, right? Definitely, that that's got to be that's got to be part of it. I mean, the other explanation is they they're killing time because they don't have a movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they've got like half a they've got like half a movie. They have half a movie, maybe a third to half of a movie. They've got a scene. <laughs> there's more than a scene no. be fair there's more than a scene there's about a third of a movie so they can afford to be leisurely here and i think it's i think part of the idea is i think they believe they can rely on the kids to be fun and interesting enough to yeah. keep an audience's attention until we get to baseball it's also a sequel convention isn't it you 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 make your characters travel yeah, as a way of doing yeah. something different. I mean, usually it's it's about going to another country. I suppose they do that in the next film. Yeah, well, they get there. <laughs> they get there. So, do do one of us have the courage to set our sequels in space? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting use of the word courage. <laughs> Well, my my next note is we're gonna... well. According to the the Fast and the Furious 
trailer, the fa- the Fast X trailer. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you can come back from space as well. I assume once you're up there, you're there. You don't come back, but they're back on Earth. They're back in you know remote South American towns. I think you have to, you know, you have to. Well, the, you have to make sure the car hits the window at the right angle, and it yeah. will get hot, but not you know burn up, and then. You just kind of gently <laughs> fly back down to the road. But if you hit it right at the right angle, it yeah. won't explode when it hits the ground. You can just keep going at about a hundred. Maybe, maybe some of this some of Fast Ten is going to be set underground, in like the center <laughs> it, of the earth. It's about the only place we haven't gone yet. That's it. I don't. I literally can't think of anywhere else they haven't been. I love the afterlife. I love that you can boil down these. That's the one with magnets, right? Or is that the one with the safe? That's mm-hmm. all I need to know from the Fast and Furious movies. God Magnets. We'll get, that one. we'll get that one day. Oh, I love them so much. It'll take, us, it'll take us about a year to get through that. I'll tell you. We'll have to break uh, it up. So, I, you know, I think all of that is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens on the road is... Uh, we spend a lot of time traveling. faking out cops with glasses, hats, yeah. and cigarettes. And, of course, it's Ahmed who talks about Going to you know being sent to the joint. Sent to the joint, yeah, yeah. So anytime the police are involved, we're going to the Ahmed joint. Is our go-to commentator, yeah. Which obviously there's few racist assumptions underlying that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also underlying truths about you know how black kids must feel about the police. Absolutely. The problem is you can't untangle the two. No. That's this movie's problem. Is yeah. it's like everything it does that's progressive is is kind of like tied up with stereotype and racist assumptions mm-hmm. that you just can't. Separate. There's no way this movie. Oh, the, can the be... movie doesn't know how to. It doesn't have. No, the yeah. Language I was gonna to say this movie does, it has no idea how to be nuanced. Well, it's not even about nuance. It's just about like take you know like what the scene means mm-hmm. and then what we think. Of like basically, it's the racist assumption of the people writing it. Yeah, that's undercutting everything that we're trying to do that is positive and progressive yeah. in this regard. Um, because it's you know it it's a it's a authentic depiction of like it means something different when a cop pulls you over if you're white. If you're or white, you're black. as opposed to being black, absolutely. Oh, and even you know, even not that they refer to this, but also you know the Mexican kids as well. Yeah, sure. And I'm just so glad that the next film somewhat redresses that balance. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, at least Ahmed gets a voice. I I, I was gonna say I lo- I love that Ahmed Ahmed gets a voice in what he sees in the character of a white man older than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's fucking about. <laughs> But that's for the next film. Right yeah. now, it's just crazy schemes and subterfuges. Right now, we're just having a kid go into the hotel for his parents so that they can get a yeah. room. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this doesn't have a lot of narrative importance beyond let's get some fat jokes in, let's have Tanner be a little more racist, and then let's have let's understand that Kelly has a father. Don't forget Carmen going to... Yeah, uh, the convenience store to get for Playboys, get, get some porn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but th- this is what I mean. It's like this interesting blend of like the adult underworld and the child fantasy world, 
Mm-hmm. So it's like crime, porn, racism, and pillow fights. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then you know, it's like I, I wrote that note, and then I, I thought, I thought, I don't know. It's not. It wasn't central to my childhood fantasies to eat a bucket of KFC on the toilet. No, with a hotel room full of children around me. <laughs> As a child. But I might have taken the opportunity. Just to clarify. I might have taken... Not that that was ever my fantasy, but it would have only been my fantasy if I was a child. I might have taken the opportunity had it been presented to me. Yeah. And you're right. It's just, you know, uh, Engelbert Mark II. Yeah. Doing the doing the fat shtick. Right. Um, let's call the colonel. Mm-hmm. The horrible part of that is, as a, as a, as a chub myself, I was just like... <laughs> Oh, great idea! God, Engelbert's on it, right? Because <laughs> they've been on the well, they've been on the road for so long. They haven't had a real meal, right? At least he's got the foresight to be like, and he's the only one eating. Well, at least he's got the foresight to go like, okay, where are we? We're in a motel room. We need like a chain, something we know is going to be here because we don't know where we are. Yeah, the, we'll go through the phone. You book, can get a lot for cheap. Yeah, I just wouldn't eat it on the toilet. <laughs> Agreed. Now, and this is where, yeah, this is where, like, as you said, this is where the lead of our film is, and special guest coach, yeah, is introduced a third of the way into right. the film as a photograph. Yep. <laughs> so we haven't moved past that imbass. We got imbass going heavy. But we also haven't introduced the lead character of our film yet. Nope. Except in, in picture in, form. In live action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to put it that way. And if you think that racism isn't enough, we're also going to get back on the road in the morning and the kids might be represented as potential rapists. Oh, everything to do with the scene with the female hitchhiker is wrong. Everything. I'm telling you. That the implied threat of adolescent sexual attack is potent. Yes. In that scene. So, you know, she can't get out of there quick enough. Thank God. It's like a scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it really is. When the like, when the band, I'm not even. Band, I'm not, notice, I'm not even saying it's like a kids' movie version no, of yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like a scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When the van End starts of. backing up, I I start. I got a cold sweat. I was like, oh fuck, oh, oh fuck. Oh man, I, I mean, did not this like is, it. And, you know, the other thing they do in the hotel room before before that horrifying scene is they watch it what do you know what the movie is they're watching see i always just call it one for the gipper i know that's not the title but that's how i think of it it might be it might be (laughs) i couldn't i i basically at that point i was like i was like well all my film research experience is not going to help me here because i need to know who that sportsman is right (laughs) i want to say I'm like, that's no, nothing I know about how to search for films is going to help me now. Right. <laughs> I want to say, I thought I knew that Ronald Reagan was in that movie. I thought I had a vague recollection. That sounds of familiar, that. one for the Gipper, but it's not Ronald Reagan on screen. No. That would be, I mean, that would be all kinds Newt of. Newt Rockney, all American. Okay. Wow. That was and fast. Yeah, see, he... see, when you know something about sports, it gets a lot easier. <laughs> But again, I can, yeah, like, I can see, I can see Ronald Reagan in bed. 
well, uh, you, I think Ronald Reagan to, is the Gipper. You need to seek therapy for that problem. <laughs> so uh, this is this is something I wanted to ask you about, but like I feel like in older media, mm-hmm. kids like habitually watch media that to them is already like 30 40 years old as if that's all they watch they never watch the latest cartoons they're always watching something that's like here's like 20 30 years old in watching these movies i realized that i even probably a little more so than you because i'm a bit older i lie in this weird area where i can refer back to the dawn of television even though i wasn't there or anywhere near it and then beyond where i know of it and i mean you know saturday morning cartoons if you were watching bugs bunny you thought you were watching bugs bunny right now but those you know a lot of those cartoons were made in the 40s and 50s yeah yeah so interesting okay and i think that's just part of it so i think that's part of you know television watching at the time as We're not child, so far who... down the line yeah. that there were as many options as some people might think. And so, you know, old movies, old television shows, you know, you knew mm-hmm. about I Love Lucy. You knew about The Honeymooners. You rewatched Leave it to Beaver and Gilligan's Island, even if you weren't seeing them in their first run. Syndication, so you knew big, who the... big for kids my age. <laughs> so you knew who the Marx Brothers were as a child. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. They were their films were made in the thirties. I was just somebody the other day at at my job said something that reminded me of who's on first, and so I yeah. said who's on first, and I got blank stares, <laughs> and Jesus nobody knew Christ. what the fuck I was talking about. <laughs> I said Abbott and you Costello? can't and you can't explain it, can you? It's like you can't go. Well, it was a ninety. It was a forties yeah. Fordville standard. Don't don't think I didn't pull out my phone and say, "Listen to this, goddamn it!" <laughs> during during World War Two on radio, <laughs> yes, they'll be like, "Okay, I'm talking about one of the seminal <laughs> comedy bits in the history of comedy." Just you know, at least well, know Jesus, it exists. Are you, are you a thawed out caveman? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I like, yeah, there was, there was. A, so that portion of the one. film, though, kind of wrapped me up in some nostalgia of yeah. what I watched at the time. You know, that was interesting to me. Okay, okay. But I I'll admit that, that my age person might be, you know, within a 10 year gap. What might well, be I the wonder... only person, you know, that knows about that. But I wonder how much, like, I wonder how much it, like, they were trying to reflect, like you say, that weird in-between mm-hmm. media consumption and how much it was just like, uh, there's this old Paramount movie <laughs> that yeah, we can yeah, get for yeah. free. For sure, yeah. I'm sure that's part <laughs> that's of it. That's about sport. It's yeah. got to be part of it. Yeah. Because they do it in the next movie as well. Sure. But it's, and you I, know... bet those are both, I bet those are both Paramount movies. Oh, yeah. I agree. But I think, you know, it does speak to the idea of kids at that time. You watched what was on. There were only three channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And television turned off at midnight. I just don't understand why they're showing you stuff from the 1930s. That's what I don't, I can't connect. There was, there were no baseball television shows yet. 
Yeah. You know, you could you could have been listening to uh you know, maybe they could have had I I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth. So, mm. maybe we should have had a Lou Gehrig speech, at least kept it in baseball. I consider myself <laughs> the luckiest man. Just that's, an idea. That's it's interesting just, that it's, it's not, just it's an not idea. even baseball. Bad news bears and breaking training. Just an idea. But that that definitely means they they couldn't get the rights to a baseball movie. The fact that they're showing a football movie. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, I agree. And of course, we're prevaricating because we got the scene with the Native Americans coming up. Yep. Which, as we said off mic. It starts off racist. It doesn't stay racist, though. It doesn't stay. That's the most racist it gets. Yeah. Actually, by the end of it, the Native Americans are somewhat normalized. Yeah. Through the medium of baseball. I like that lead kid that says, we play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to give you a sound thumping, Bad News Bears. Yeah, and... It makes more sense now to know that they lost their last game because yeah, because they're not very good in this horrible. game. Horrible. Yeah, even I can tell they're horrible, and I don't know the rules of baseball. So let me ask you this: <laughs> having thirty minutes into the yeah. movie, first baseball, first baseball, uh... thirty minutes in, having having not seen the original movie, <laughs> did did the idea that these kids <laughs> that these kids thought that they could play the game without any help from a coach? Was that playing for you? Like, yeah, that was playing. That was okay. playing for me because of the because it was represented through Carmen, who is right. clearly a fantasist. Yeah, can't like I I knew that he wasn't gonna live up to whatever he was billing billing himself yeah. as. And then that starts your kind of character arc. It's like oh, you realize this guy is like a, a fragile. I forgot it egoist. does. It does end with racism too. Oh, Jesus, how what did what how what? Because they say it looks like we've been scalped. Oh, for fuck's sake! God, <laughs> what does it say I that I didn't even notice that? Yeah. Jesus. Okay, so it's at least a sandwich of racism where the filling is <laughs> it's less a, racist. It's a racism cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Just not too sweet. And, and you know, it it's. It makes, I guess, I don't know, is it is it good sequel writing or bad sequel writing? That I guess good, that we're spending more time on Carmen. Yeah, I mean, you have a new character, so you're giving him a lot of airtime. I, I, the thing I found most fascinating about this character, because I saw his name and it's Bayo. So I was like, <laughs> holy fucking shit, this guy's related to Scott Bayo for sure. And I looked it up, and of course he's his cousin. Oh, and he this, is. Yeah, and this was completely unfair to the kid. And I, you know, I think it was just because of the character. But I just kept like, you know, we talked at the beginning of the shit we don't know. I'll never have an answer to this. But I just feared that this actor was going around saying, "Hey, you know who I am? You want to meet Scott Bale or not? Sit down and shut the fuck up." That's that is so unfair. I That's know. Just you're, re- I know. you're reading it through the prism of Carmen. Not, I know. <laughs> not that that poor kid. Uh, he's I, already probably getting racist slurs behind his back. Well, he's certainly getting it from Tanner. Get him on screen too. Yeah. 
<laughs> so clearly the kids are like, well, we didn't hold back in the film. Why would we hold back now? Of course not. <laughs> so I, I hope I it's kinda, not true. I like it because I think it goes somewhere and then it dovetails with, it does, with yeah. the, gro- the growth of William Devane as a coach mm-hmm. that he's able to coach Carmen into. It is a second the... character arc for the movie. Yeah, that like well, you know he can then William Devane can do can something coach him into be- believing that he's the player that he thinks he is. Yeah, in his mind. And I like that scene and because apparently it's... that's that's how sports works. Well, you know, what I like I thought, about it is Devane... I thought ability and talent and experience played some part, but I guess not. <laughs> you could have ability, but what I like well, he doesn't. <laughs> no, but he does. He does. But it his is all. But it's lie. Everything he says is a lie. No, but he has a natural ability that he think that he okay. takes too far. And okay. what I like is that Devane, as a coach, keeps it simple He's... and says, "Just do this. It's all you have to do. You it, can do it." Is it someone implied that he's never played baseball before, though? I don't think so. Okay, that's what I got from it. But well, I mean, he boasts because he lies about everything else. Nothing yeah, else that's he true. Says is true. I mean, he boasts to Kelly Leak that he's a good baseball player and he's a good pitcher. And yeah, when we see baseball back yeah, east. When we see this portion of the movie, we get Kelly confronting him and saying, "What the fuck? I've relied on you. You told me you were good." He goes, "I am good." And so what I think is, you know, maybe he had some success. Maybe it's mm. a uh, that thing you do. You but know? he's not going to say, "Oh, by the way, I made it all up." Can right. I still come no, with yeah. you? <laughs> but it's, you know, uh, at one point he talks to Engelbert about his eight different kinds of pitches. You know, a kid. This but he's age, a fantasist. Yeah, he should. He he can't throw a slider. He can't throw, you know, mm. a four seat. You know, there's just things he can't do. He could throw probably a fastball and a curveball, and that's all he needs yeah. to do. In little league, that's all you really need to do. Done. I agree. <laughs> Is that right? Yes, I want that on the record. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, Tanner's sending a postcard to mm-hmm. the guy who's not in the film. Um, <laughs> right. One of many interactions and conversations about this character that we have. Yeah. And then we're going to meet the other team, right? Yeah. So they, I think they really missed a good cha- chance for a... So, I mean, you must have been pleased as punch to see J.W. Pepper. Well, but before <laughs> before that, as we arrive, this is a moment where I'm like, the leisurely pacing and the inability to edit at the right time is we're going to hold back the comedy of this movie. Mm-hmm. Because before we see the team doing the jumping jacks, Carmen's sort of saying like, oh, you know, these guys will be easy to beat. And then we get an establishing shot of the of the of the the van going into the ground, and then we see them do the jumping jacks. But for the irony right. of that to translate, you need to cut on the line and go straight to the jumping jack. Yeah, it's just weird that no one in the film thought of Gets doing it. that. Yes, right. And that's a classic seventies movie cut. Sure. Uh, anyway, but yes, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I Clifton James once again. Yes, sir. They've got famous a Midwesterner wide Clifton selection. James. <laughs> Midwesterner Clifton James and another one of his Stetson roles. There you go. Talk about building a career out of one character. <laughs> yeah. e- even even the 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 uh, late and sadly departed um, 
Richard Belser could learn something. Yeah, right. From Crooked James. <laughs> um, and this is where I was like, is this an aftermath sequel? Because they're waiting for the bears. Yeah, it's, it's all the the previous movie set up that this was where they were gonna go. It was like their right to come. Like they already booked it. Defend their non-championship yeah. <laughs> in Texas. And yet, I guess I guess if you're gonna retcon, don't restack at the same time because yeah, right. They they don't re- they don't like. Go, hey, remember when they lost the game? <laughs> that somehow means that they yeah. are in this uh in this game. Um But I you know, I felt like we're we're seeing another side of baseball because the coaches are yelling at the kids for not doing their jumping mm-hmm. jacks right. So you've got that yeah. sense of you know, it's like you can work hard to become better, but when your sport becomes a chore then it's no longer fun. And so in yeah. that way, they, they paint this team pretty well as the enemy and mm-hmm. the not fun team with the bad coaches and the mean kids. And, you know, all of that I recognize as conventional movie making. That makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of that in the next movie as well. Yeah, I think there they is. come to that same the same conclusion with the um, the uh, the Tokyo team. But they become the friends, bears. you know, which I also it's not a I'm not harping on that. I like that in that movie. No, no. But but, but that's the they, they arrive at this totally different yeah, route. Right. But they arrive at the same place. Yeah. Which is sort of like it's only a game. And right. You know, you have to enjoy what you do. It, it's not you know, it's not about. It's not about winning or mm-hmm. making the most money. And then the course, kids. My next note There's is the nowhere kid. in American sports. Yeah, no. I mean, right now we got dads beating up other kids on the team, and moms too. It's craziness. Anyway, it is. I heard. I heard a justification of that from from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Oh. And uh, I was in a physical therapy session the other day, and I heard one of those moms who had attacked. Oh man! Uh, during the game, like stand up for herself doing that, and I was just taken aback. Like, it's just violence. How can you stand yeah. up and say I was, <laughs> I committed an act of violence, and I'm proud of it? Anyway. It was wrapped up in this is my yeah. Story even and... if it was like, oh, I've been drinking or whatever. Like, oh, I really, you know, it's like crazy. I got caught up. Like, it wasn't like that. It was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm if gonna everyone's defend down, my I'm gonna child. Get down. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And I was like, you know, the ultimate justification. The yeah. Doesn't mean you can like fight off people like you're a panther protecting right. its cub. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's going well <laughs> off the point. But that's the state of sports today, everyone. Agreed. New segment, state of sports today. <laughs> well, the next the next thing we know the kids are going to get in some trouble because they've gotten into the hotel, but they weren't looking at parking signs. <laughs> but luckily, we get Lane Smith out of it. Yes, as the as the cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I recognized him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Also, Ke- this is where Kelly goes to goes see Dad. To, goes to, goes to the. 
what is it like a lead pipe? Plant yeah, it looks like something? it. I thought this was a this this is when the movie Amazing started scene. to win me over because oh, yeah. I is... thought it was so interesting that his dad walks by him and doesn't mm-hmm. recognize him, and then the movie brings that up later. That was smart. I really yeah, like that. You, I I think everything everything to do everything in the scenes between these two are great. Um, Apparently, they like hated each other. They had to be separated from fist fights during the filming of this Don't movie. Don't ruin it for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Fist fights? Yeah. One of them is a grown man. The other is a child. I know. <laughs> I, all I could say is maybe Jackie Earl Haley was uh, as big a handful as his character. Fist fights? That's <laughs> unbelievable. How the fuck does that happen? I don't know. Yeah. No, but I'll I think, say this like, for them. They had some good scenes together. They have some great scenes together. So I agree completely. I mean, this is where the movie starts to get some weight. And well, for it me, it that... becomes an interest. Um, you know, this is where the movie starts for me. Well, absolutely. I mean, not not least because we finally see our protagonist. Yeah, true. Um, and William Devane is done. William Devane. So... Yeah, and the movie, the movie takes a dramatic turn. He's a surrogate, a and he's not Walter a, Matthau, but yeah, I'm not going to be upset when I see Willem, William Devane is going to be in my movie. Yeah, and it's a beautifully acted scene. Yeah. And like I say, this is one of those scenes, blink and you're in five easy pieces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, enough of that. Let's write a letter to Looper. Mm-hmm. We got to. And this is the end, like the end of this scene, like as as he's, you know, we fade to black on the voiceover of him writing the letter, marking the midpoint of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you say, there's some sense of structure here. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Is that just so people know to go, go to the bathroom, get some more popcorn? Or... Perhaps. <laughs> and then and then uh, you also write the movie starts here because this is they start playing baseball the, base, the baseball half of the movie yeah we're back we're into training well i was gonna say why don't we since we're about to get to training why don't we take another break and then come back sure all right then yeah we'll get to the baseball in the third segment <laughs> of this show <laughs> right after this. Still better than Karate Kid Part 2. <laughs> How dare you. I like to think I know something about beer. But nowadays, even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day, you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need. The Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. 
and the Vegas beer guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here, about to hit the field with the Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. You have to admit, this movie gets markedly better from this point on. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. It just it's it's got momentum from yeah. here on out. We know, Although, we know what the film is one of my next, towards. One point. of my next notes was apparently there was a timetable to get to Houston, Texas. The kids didn't seem to know about this. No, nope. but the screenplay oh, yeah. knew. Yeah, didn't tell us. <laughs> the kids didn't talk uh, about it once. And you know we still have to work a little bit for for William William Defane to kind of step into the yeah. coach role. He has he's, to be coached he's into gotta, being the coach. Yeah, he's got to talk to the cop. He's got to talk to yeah. Lane Smith. Yeah, and it's he's all a, he's able to to smooth over a a you know a, like a criminal digression by a by an athlete right. uh, with the promise of promise of free tickets. So there you go. He's he's established his credentials as coach. The cop is on the take. Yeah. But and one of the first obli- to jump up and say, let them play. Yeah. And then we get our obligatory Texas barbecue scene. Mm-hmm. Another locale in which we can talk about a character who isn't in the film. <laughs> well, one of the things that I found funny was Coach Devane, or mm-hmm. Mike Leak. He, mm-hmm. you know, he, the kids say, hey, we don't need any help. And he watches them suck ass, right? Like, yeah. they're terrible. Well, we have that great, again, it's another imbass where he sort of, he's reading the paper where it has the image of them, I guess, yeah. losing. <laughs> According to this year. movie, perhaps winning some game we and don't he, know about. And he pulls it down and then sees the debacle that's on the field, right. so... But what I like of... is that he says, hey, now, I might be able to help you. What do you think about this? And they're like, okay. And he goes, all right, the first thing we got to do, go get lunch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, you know, he's got to um, ingratiate himself into the all right, fine. Into the group. I would say it's run, also about, run, it's run also some about, drills you know, first. He's also working on being a father as well. I mean, that's, that's all the, the subtext of it. So it's like, you know, he's like caught between the parent who takes them out to pizza afterwards and the coach. Mm-hmm. And then this is, I think, a masterstroke of product placement. Is that you don't you don't show the product. You have a character in the movie who's a personification of the product. <laughs> so Clifton James's character yeah. is a is a is a Budweiser sponsor. Right. That's his character. You have you have like an advertising spokesman in your movie. <laughs> and the rest of the scene with him and William Defane plays out Drinking like a beer. Budweiser commercial. Yeah, oh it's absolutely. The, to solve all your problems, just have yeah, a bud. Have a beer. Yeah. 
So it's yeah. like instead, it's like, like instead of finding, uh, and it it works on commercial logic because instead of finding a character reason how Mike saves the day, they let the Budweiser do the work. <laughs> well, not just that, but I, you know, something interesting was happening happening in this section of the movie where Devane's character had to keep solving problems for the team. Mm-hmm. And his solution to all the problems was to just kind of be laid back. He's not the guy that runs up and says, hey, my team's supposed to be playing. What the fuck is going on? He's yeah. the guy that just sits next to me. He goes, hey, damn nice to meet yeah. you. Well, yeah, I'll have a beer. No, that team's not the Bears. That's the Bears over there. You know? Yeah. He, it's like he you show him as smart enough to read the room, to, like, know what's going on, and mm-hmm. then understand that what, you know, Cy or... Uh, well, that's his character. I keep wanting to say J.W. Pepper. Did you notice that he said Pepper at one point? I thought that was a nod. Because in baseball, you can play Pepper, you know, like just. I lo- You're working a bit too hard if you're trying to find a nod to J.W. Pepper <laughs> in Clifton James's performance, where he's wearing a Stetson throughout and plays a Budweiser spokesman. <laughs> but I like that. Devane can like read the room mm-hmm. and kind of while yeah. his way in. I like that. I mean, it's, it feel it's, it's like, it's, it's what you want in this. I mean, I, assume, <laughs> I have to assume Walter Matthau did not take the same approach. No, his is more about convincing players to come on the team, convince okay. his daughter, convince Kelly leak. Mm-hmm. Well, those two, especially, but <laughs> one pitcher, okay. one hitter. And then because just make I, the I, others it, better. It does seem like they have an understanding that whoever they pick for the coach, it has to be different from the guy that came before. Yeah. And and not necessarily the coach you would expect, because I think that's partly what Mr. Manning is about, right? It's like mm-hmm. this is the obvious replacement. But we're not gonna we're not you know, it's just a little hanging fruit. We're gonna go we're gonna find it another way. Right. I think and the movie ca- I mean the movie the movie works. is also you know one thing I thought they did was smart was they show a good amount of Devane playing baseball. So he looks like he's play mm. he, like he can play the part. It gives him it gives him some, you know, since we're so late in the movie, it gives him some yeah. credibility with Definitely. the audience to show that he can Yeah, and that's and turn that's why they have him team tr- around. That's why they have him troubleshooting as yeah. soon as he's in the film because you've got to make up for lost time. He hasn't been in half the movie. You got to find out who right. this guy is. And why he's important to the movie. He's going to make sure every kid can catch a ground ball, catch a Mm pop-up, get the ball to first. He, you know, fixes Carmine. You know, there's there's a lot in that section about him getting shit right. Yeah, and and the the other smart move is to sort of, is to have it running parallel to the development of his relationship with With his son, right. Being the estranged father and, and how that conflict kind of comes to a head with him coaching the team. Because as he starts building all, relationships... I think that's all really well observed. Yeah. Because I think as he starts building relationships with the other kids on the team, that's where Kelly starts regressing and drawing back a bit. Yeah. And that's and it smart. Just gives an emotion, it gives an emotional weight to yeah. those scenes. Absolutely. Without leaning too hard into into it. And then they have this... They have a real... Uh, like another scene that I think is really great when they have that kind of knock down drag out argument over all of this oh yeah yeah it's good absolutely 
Yeah. And, you know, again, in this scene, with uh, he's coaching Carmen and getting him to capitalize on what whatever unclear potential he has. Mm-hmm. Um and I like how these scenes are sh- so well. There's a, so there's a, some really weirdly good camera work and, and editing in these scenes. Yeah, right. That kind of comes out of nowhere. I feel like there's a frustrated second unit director who got to do these days. He's like, I could do better. Because are you when talking they about Kelly the, running away like that? Even before shot? that, well, yeah, that. Well, even before that, the uh, the hotel corridor. There's mm. this amazing kind of like tracking shot, yeah, with all this great in-camera blocking, with the kids just going crazy, from, going nuts. From room yeah, to you're room. right. Um, and I just thought, you know, it was like some some second unit director's time to shine. <laughs> yeah, and then the the baseball sequences, you know, uh, the coaching sequences look like they're filmed by someone who's filmed sporting events because he knows exactly where he mm. like follows the ball in every shot. Yeah. Or someone who understands that. Who understands of, baseball. Of directing yeah. sports, yeah. Or just like any sport event, you just follow the ball, right? It doesn't matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, you can add, you can cut, you can zoom, you can do whatever. Just follow the ball, make it make sense visually. Yeah. Um, and then in the middle of this is a this cla- this great nerd fantasy yeah. of Ogilvy. Ogilvy. I was just going to say, like, I like him. Women are just throwing themselves, throwing themselves at this prize. I'm in love, the ladies say. But and I like, like, one thing I, the one thing I like, I like about it is he is finding out like legitimate dirt about the other team, but it's never yeah. presented in the game as, as like, this is how we're going to win. It's just <laughs> something to help, you know, like it's just that. But it doesn't help because his conclusion is we're fucked. <laughs> but yeah. I just, I just love it's, it's like classic nerd fantasy because this idea that women are just throwing themselves at you, but you're too cool and too committed to the project you're on <laughs> to notice them. It's like every, uh, every element of that is a, like a fantasy. Sure, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Oh no, I like it. I just think it's funny. Like, um, I just think it's, it's. It's just kind of, and this so much of this is like the fantasy from the child's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it makes total sense. And yeah, and then it ends with that angry running, which where you kind of feel the influence of Rocky. Yeah, this the sort of melodramatic tone and the visceral imagery. But it um, also seemed like it was trying to go for weirdly triumphant, which doesn't match what the character's going through. No. True. I got like half frustrated teen and half yeah rah rah. Yeah, well, I, and I think that's that's the that's what Rocky nails and everyone else is imitating that. All right. Um. Uh, our prison consultant Ahmed um hears himself on TV. And realizes that he sounds different. Yeah. I think that's what I'm supposed to get from the scene. And it's horrible. So. I was hoping that it was. No, I guess. Because it is the black kid. But, you know, my hope is because we, you know, everybody has that when you hear your voice. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, it's I think it's like, I think it's like the joke is, is that right? Mm -hmm. When you hear your own voice, she doesn't sound like you. 
Well, because they've chosen to do it with Ahmed. Yeah. And the reason they've chosen it is because they can also get a joke out of the fact that, that he speaks differently. Yeah. Which he doesn't, only to their ears. Right. Right, only to the ears of the people making the film. He doesn't actually... He's still speaking fucking English. Right. As well, <laughs> as well as, if not better, than these kids. Absolutely. But I just hate the idea. Well, I, but again, like, there's a truth. You, you like... People, when you're when you're different from the people around you, you internalize that difference. Yeah, sure. So there's a way in which you can make the scene tell a truth about Ahmed, but this is not it. Well, you know, we talked about it before. I just don't think that that movie has this movie has that muscle. Yeah, true. Um, you know, right? <laughs> I mean, so you know. And then then we have another great scene with uh, Kelly and Mike in the pool hall about the little blue bicycle. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just fatherhood, but I find this stuff very affecting. Mm-hmm. And like, a, the example they've chosen is such a cautionary tale as a father. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if you ever find yourself doing that kind of thing where you're trying to buy your kid's affection. Yeah. It's time to pull back. Right. Like that's right. that's what I got from that scene, and I was just like, wow. Well, that's what I got, that's... and what one thing I really appreciated was. I really thought because this was a kids movie and it's just a, you know, bad news bears movie, I mm-hmm. thought they were going to let dad off the hook. I thought they were going to say, "Look, your no. mom, your mom said she didn't want me near you. She didn't want me talking to you. So I did what she wanted." And they never go to that place. It's it's him that says, "You know, it's it's easy to judge, but you, you know, obviously yeah. you, you you know, you make choices and you have to stick with those choices, and of course you're filled with regrets." And yeah. they just, you know, have to both sit in that, that he upset his kid and he understands that. And he's trying to communicate, yeah. communicate that to his kid. And, you know, that's that 70s part again, where right. they're having, it's just, yeah, they're so having that tough talk. Just, sometimes people are just complicated. And that's yeah, fine. right. But it all sounds that's what's great emotionally honest, which I really appreciate. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, it's it's it, it comes from a really honest place, and that's what's great about it. And, and yeah. they never, you know, they never veer too far in either direction. They don't over sentimentalize him, but they also don't over demonize him. Yeah, he's not an alcoholic. He's right. not, you know, like he's not an, a wife beater or anything like that. It's just, it's just that 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 he's an absent father, and mm-hmm. you know, he's got his reasons for that. We don't find out what they are, which I think is a great move on the right. part of the screenwriters because it doesn't matter. That's not the point. Right. We are it's where really we good. are. Yeah, it's really good work. Agreed. Uh, and then the day of the game. It's time to win one for the looper. Sun, sunrise shot of the Astrodome. Soaring music. <laughs> you know, sports movie stuff. Yeah. Post-Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only... So I said earlier I had not seen Bad News Bears. Well, on our mm. ranking episode, I had said mm. I hadn't seen Bad News Bears go to Japan when I thought I had, but I had seen this movie. And this is the only part I remember, is parts from the game. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, more as you say, more references to Timmy. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just got to accept that a character or an actor is didn't not make in it your into movie, and just move on, <laughs> move on. I love, and again, this is where the, I don't. You uh, think though that they're trying to give Tanner a mini arc? That yeah, y- yeah, he's this rambunctious, bit well, of an asshole, only, racist the, kid, but he's got a good heart. 
<laughs> he, it's he literally the only sympathetic quality yeah. he has. Yeah. He does have he is, at least the ability hot, to care about the well, kid with a, a broken a strong, leg at home. A strong homoerotic desire for his friend. <laughs> um, and this is where the, you know, the, the uh, Clifton James Budweiser commercial really pays off because a lot is made in world about the generosity and support for young oh, people yeah. and sport from Anheuser-Busch. Right. Uh, I like the way the g- game is filmed as well. And there's a, again probably the same second unit director was on that day. Just this kind of like nice flow to the editing, wide shots cutting between the pitching and the catching. Oh yeah. Uh, I also wish every baseball game I attended had this level of narration, so I could follow exactly what's going on. <laughs> I That's think great. This is you were able to follow like... along. Then you understood that. Uh, well, this is it. Like the two my, to zero my, and the five to my zero. My threshold is my threshold is the kind of the card game in the Bond film, right? Where right. you you shouldn't have to know the rules to understand what's going on, and this film achieves that. But the the goes to Japan that that doesn't meet that threshold for me. Okay, fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They even managed to sneak in some commentary about the way sports has become entertainment, where he says, you know, right. the 4th of July when the fireworks go off. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, this scene works pretty well. Um, and again, like you, as you said in the ranking episode, and as, as, as you and Matt have talked about on Project 1982 before, mm-hmm. uh, you have to find a way to make the the champion the underdog again. Right. <laughs> not not that they were ever champions. But yeah, they uh, weren't technically this, as far the champions. As this concerned, but... they are. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's that you know the the stadium staff call the game. Mm-hmm. When so they're down, they're, they're down yeah. five nothing, and all of a sudden the game's called due to time constraints. Yeah. And it's uh, so they become the underdog against the big system again. Right. That's the, this movie's way of doing it. And, it's, and then I love that. It's it, Tanner Boyle's it. defiance that rallies it's the team. a great image. This yeah. screaming racist kid <laughs> out on the diamond in an empty field. Saying, like, hey, we're a, not done a, yet. Yeah. I, right. lo- I think I think it works, re- I, it works really well. You know, in, it, I think it would have been a better tribute to the 1970s film if the movie ended there. Just mm-hmm. this, just Tanner running around screaming racist slurs <laughs> with these two guys, these these two stadium staff chasing after him. Oh, shit. It could be like a Robert Altman movie, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they got they got they gotta they gotta go for the heartstrings, Tom. Well, we've got to get in our obligatory sports cameos, right? We've got to get oh, yeah. our actual Houston Astros players. None of which you know, uh, right? None of which I know. And who, who are performed exactly as awkwardly as they're introduced. Yeah. <laughs> they did not. I, I, if they're the best actors in the team, my God. <laughs> I hope it was just who was available that day. Yeah. Not acting chops. Don't ask too much of them, Tom. I know, but... I mean, there's a lot of... I Athletes lot of are expected to be a little more savvy with the media today. I don't know that that was well, true at the time. Historically, there's been a lot of crossover between sports and acting, though. There's been, yeah, sure. You know, O.J. Simpson and other Jim examples. Brown. Jim Brown. Yeah. 
But you're talking about, you know, guys who add a lot of charisma. The Rock. And that's not, yeah, the, you know, that's not most professional Terry athletes. Cruz. There you go. And he used to play football? I think so. And he was a wrestler too, I think, right? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh... Well, this is when you get the famous chant, let them play. Let them play. Let them play. <laughs> and they've got the support of actual ba- baseball players and from the, good the people Houston at Astros. Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the good people at Anheuser Bush. Of course. Uh, but it looks like, from the way the movie plays it, it's the sign guy who makes the. Yeah, that makes the call, right? To, to carry on. <laughs> And I thought it was since the the two guys who were chasing Tanner. I like that they the had to give who up. Come on and go. The game is off. Yeah. Don't they get to make that decision? <laughs> not apparently. Apparently not. Yeah. I I love that they had to look up at the at the scoreboard and just kind of tuck their tail between their legs and go. Yeah. But it, I I guess uh, well I suppose if you follow the logic, the sign guy is responding to the crowd. Yeah. And at that point, democracy just takes over. Well, I imagine there was some guy in some room that said, you know what, let him play. Turn that sign on yeah. or off or whatever. Yeah. You know? That's and how I imagine Ahmed, it. Ahmed quotes Muhammad Ali. Of course. Uh, in context, a progressive move, but just such limited thinking from the writers about. <laughs> Can't but you I give suppose- him one break? Yeah, couldn't can, can you get him like a de-racialized? Yeah, they just don't. Uh, that's the thing is they they wouldn't think of it, would they? They wouldn't think of like. They could have said, "I feel like the luckiest man on the face of the earth." They could have gone with that. Yeah, for a second yeah. time. And then you know that the, when they get back into the game, they have their secret play. Yeah, which is great because it. It, it makes the think dimension of the training sequences pay off here. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's all about strategy, which, to be fair, is what they've been selling, uh, what William Devane has been selling the whole time. To yeah, the team. The strategy yeah. is more important than the talent. Uh, so it all tracks, I think. Yeah. From the coaching sequences onwards. And I thought Although it was. The idea that this Texas crowd is cheering for a Californian team, almost as crazy as the Russian ovation in. <laughs> You're right. I didn't even think of it. They like happen. their gumption, Tom. They like an underdog. Yeah. Remember the Alamo. They like their <laughs> underdogs. Yeah, of course. Not to that extent, though. Not when, not when it's outside of the state. One thing that I also thought was interesting, I mean, of course, it's Kelly Leak that comes up to the plate to win the game. Mm-hmm. But normally this sort of thing, you know, it's, bottom you know not the bottom of the ninth but i think they were playing four innings so bottom of the fourth two outs the bases are loaded you're down by three and he doesn't hit a home run i mean he does but it's an inside the park you know so it's not like the natural it's uh 70s yeah you gotta you gotta have some some running and some bobbles and some (laughs) some fun even in the sequel rocky narrowly wins narrowly by by one second, yeah. And as we know, it's not how it works. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know, another father son bonding moment mm-hmm. act, acted and written really well. Of course, yeah, agreed. 
Again, those slow reaction shots. Apparently, there's nothing we can do about that. <laughs> it makes it. I, I, at one point, I thought my the the streaming had stopped. Really, <laughs> the reaction shots were so slow. <laughs> um, and then Good we stuff. go full circle. We're back in California. Right. He's back on the Easy Rider bike. Mm-hmm. And we're back with the groundskeeper. We're going to salute the, the groundskeeper. Two of three coaches. Show him some respect. Yeah. And, and, except for his special needs. <laughs> right. That's the only thing we don't respect. That's the, the only thing the, we don't get. The man is developmentally disabled. Well, and of course, I've got a note here. I mean, I'm sure you have a credit check. But, of course, the credits are going to be shown over everything we've already seen. Yeah, I mean, that's the bulk of it, right? 70s credits, you're always a little bit truncated. (laughs) Um, This is pretty extensive, though. All right. Uh, I think the problem is, like, going from the ending of the film into the, um, the footage... Because the first going into the recap, because the first thing we see is the the training sequence. So yeah, it looks like Mike has gone back with them to California. Yeah, right. Because all we're seeing is like we've gone from one green place to another green place, and so yeah, it's it's a it's it's an uneasy. It would have been nice. It would have been nice to have one scene. Not already seen in the movie, like showing Mike on the phone with his dad talking, that kind of thing. Just let us know the relationship is still going. I mean, you can learn. Uh, yeah, you can you can learn everything you need to know about the film from watching the credits. Mm-hmm. Except quite how racist it is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that does the credits don't convey that. No. Uh, and yeah, it's replaying the film in montage microcosm. We're used to seeing this. Yeah, it's where sequels cross over with. 1970s and 80s TV shows. It's an embass um, all its own. Yeah. Uh, even the credits can't get over the fact that Timmy wasn't in the movie. Because <laughs> we have a recap of his one tiny scene. Right. <laughs> um, I don't consider the near sexual attack of an underage female teenager to be one of the highlights of the movie worth replaying. To go back in and revisit. Yeah. There's some little boy penis going on there. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> uh, I, I was just struck by the fact that given there's clearly product placement for at least Budweiser, if not the entire Anheuser-Busch Corporation in this film, mm-hmm. none of it is acknowledged. Yeah, right. The Houston Astrodome is and the Astros, but that's it. And the shot, the the background of, of this credit, I hasten to add, is uh, Coca-Cola and Marlboro in the shot. So, <laughs> what, what what is... Budweiser must feel cheated. I know. It's sort of like, I mean, that makes it look really kind of uh, duplicitous. Mm-hmm. Like, they were really trying to get under the wire. Like, it wasn't official. <laughs> like, like, they never asked this... permission, maybe. Right. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, but, like, you know, whoever funded the, back to embezzlement again, whoever funded the movie didn't want anyone to know that Budweiser put money to, money into it or maybe. something. I'm trying to think of where movies where the pro, where product placement kind of 
takes over. It's like product placement plus. Um, there's a Shane Meadows movie, which is a was like a promotional movie for Eurostar, hmm. but it's a real movie. Except it, you know, like the it involves Eurostar. The Eurostar train has to be involved hmm. at certain points. I'm trying to think if there's any examples in cinema where it's like baked into like actual characters, right? I suppose I uh, I hop in Man of Steel. It's the most recent example. <laughs> Having an actual I hop manager rather than just oh Baskin Robbins and Ant Man. Okay, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> Could it be working at any ice cream parlor? <laughs> Couldn't he? Yeah. But they didn't go for, you know, Ben and Jerry's. But then he has to say Baskin Robbins out loud like three times in the movie and True. makes it a less good movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the end of my credit check. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've done it. We we yeah. got through the Bad News Bears and Breaking Training. And you're going to have to tell us what you think. So by all means, you find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter you send us that email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Don't forget, we have a Patreon. If you join, you'll already be able to talk about Superman and Man of Steel. And coming soon, both RoboCop from 87 and RoboCop from 2014. Thank you. Thank you in advance. Yes. <laughs> All and right. Ev and eventually one day you'll hear us talk about this, yeah, the original Bad News Bear, the original and reboot of Bad News Bears, two thousand five, I think, right? Five, yes, it is, yeah. All right. And well, we'll update you as to the as yet unproduced TV series based on this. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have that on Recap Corner. IMDb don't have an image, so don't <laughs> hold your breath. All right, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. When you hear us next, the Bad News Bears are going to Japan, friends. Yeah. That's it for now. Bye. A ball team of midgets? That's what they look like to me. <laughs> I almost forgot to send it to you. Yeah. No, I didn't almost. I did forget. <laughs> if by almost you mean entirely, yes. <laughs> Shit. It's all right. <laughs> that works. I'll just say it and end the episode. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everyone. Take care. Did you know that the Everything Sequel podcast has a sequel? It's our Patreon. For a low monthly donation, you can get up to two exclusive full-length ad-free bonus episodes. $5 a month gets you an episode discussing all the original movies from the series we've covered on the podcast. And that's a lot of snakeheads. But $10 a month scores you the reboot. To boot. Support Everything Sequel on Patreon and reap the benefits of amazing brand new content you quite literally can't get anywhere else. Got more money than sense? We also offer one-time payments that will get you in the driver's seat of the podcast. Maybe even the passenger seat. That metaphor doesn't work, but our show does. So join the Patreon and believe the hype. It's a sequel.